morning. How's that for church, huh? I could I could stay here and do that all day. I uh, I believe that God has a message for us today. Does anybody else believe that he has a message for us today? I think he's got a few messages for us today. One underlining, it's funny, I, I was coming back from the back, walking through the basement, and as I was getting ready to come up the stairs, Pastor Tim, during the, the welcome part, he said, it's time. And then as Pastor Greg came up and gave that word, he said, it's time to grab the, the horns of the altar. And Pastor Tim, again, Pastor Greg was here with the, for the first service. Pastor Tim was out getting uh, Sister Vonda. He wasn't here, so he had no idea what the title of my sermon was, no matter what anything I was talking about. So I know that God has a message for us today. How great of a God do we serve that he loves us so much, that he cares about each one of us so much that he would speak a word specifically for us today. Our God loves us so much and he cares about us individually so much that he sent his only son to shed his blood on the cross for me and for each one of you. He loves us that much. And he wants to have a relationship with you. I don't know who needs to know that today, but he hears you and he sees you. He cares for you and he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you that much. I am so thankful to serve a God that loves me that much. As you can see, the title of this message is called It's Time and it's got a funny note that I told first service. I can't, I can't see the words, it's time, and think of that phrase. Does anybody know who Bruce Buffer is? N- nobody in the first service did. Does anybody know who Michael Buffer is? We got one back there. We got one UFC fan back there. Does anybody know who Michael Buffer is? Michael Buffer is the, let's get ready to rumble, that guy. That's Michael Buffer. His brother is Bruce Buffer, and he's the UFC announcer, and his big thing is he comes out in the ring to get everybody pumped up and says, it's time, and everybody gets all excited. And if nothing else, you'll remember the the title of this sermon because Pastor Josh is up here yelling like a maniac, saying a bunch of stuff that has really no pertinence to the message itself. But that's that's just what I think of. I hear it's time. I just automatically see his face in my mind, and and that's where that's where my mind went initially. And and whenever God gave me this message, uh, Allie was asking me, said, "What are you going to preach on?" And I said, "I don't know. It's in my phone." And she goes, looked at me weird. I'm like. He woke me up on like Thursday morning at four o'clock in the morning and I typed something into my phone and I don't remember what it was, but I know he gave me a word and I know that's what I'm supposed to preach, but I got to get back to it to have some time to expound upon that a little bit. And when I got back in there, the, the title of my phone was It's Time and then that's where I went. But to, for the, the actual message, we're not going to talk about, if anybody was here for when I talked about uh, wrestling, I, I know that maybe we're starting to see a little bit of a, a theme here. Maybe Pastor Josh has some aggression he needs to get out with a little, a little physical altercation or something, but Pastor Tim and I have that in common. But uh, anyways, the actual message it's kind of uh, two different places I want to go in Scripture. I want to start in 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you want to get your Bibles out, I'll give you just a second. If not, it'll be up there on the screen for us. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 17 through 22. We're going to talk about more than just those five or six verses, but those are the ones I want to highlight this morning. And there it said, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission, saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. 
I went on, this, on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word that is alive and active, Lord, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's useful for the teaching, rebuking, and correcting in our lives, Father. And I pray that's exactly what you do in each of our hearts and in our spirits here this morning. Lord, hollow me out, fill me with your spirit, and let only the words spoken this morning be directly from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little backstory on what's going on here. We got some context clues, but the Lord spoke to Saul through the prophet Samuel, and he told him to go and destroy the Amalekites. Take, it was a take no prisoners kind of mission. It, it, was a, it was a take care of everything. It was punishment for what they had done against the Israelites. And so Saul sent over 200,000 soldiers to the city to destroy the Amalekites. And after they were successful, they brought back the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fat cows and the lambs, everything that was good so they could be used as a sacrifice to God. But Samuel then gets another word for Saul. And this one is a bit surprising because the Lord told Samuel that he regretted making Saul king as a result of his actions. And as I read through that, I was like, wait a minute. It confused me the first time I read through it. Saul went into the land and he destroyed the people like he was supposed to. And not only did he go and destroy the people like he was supposed to, but he brought back sacrifices for the Lord. Like, like not only did he do what he was supposed to, he went above and beyond. He went and he brought back sacrifices for God. Shouldn't, shouldn't the Lord be happy that Saul brought back these, these sacrifices to honor him? And yet it says that he regretted making Saul king because of that. But since we, read, we just read what happens next, we understand why God felt that way is the passage that we read together. It's another great example of something that the Lord's been bringing up in message after message here at Jonathan Creek. We've all heard it said many times. I think all three pastors have said it at least once. Anything done apart from the direction of the Lord is a dead work of the flesh. Saul thought that he was doing what he was supposed to do. I, I did it, yay! I, we destroyed him and not only that, we brought stuff back with us. Look at us go. And if I'm, I'm surely not alone. Every married couple in here, especially the men, Jake, don't say amen, get yourself in trouble. Have all been here at one point in time. Not only am I going to fold that load of laundry, I'm going to clean this up too. I'm going to go above and beyond what my wife asked me to do. I'm going I'm to be great. I told the first service, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I speak from the husband's perspective because I don't know what it's like to be a wife. Praise the Lord. I don't have to deal with me. I'm going to go above and beyond what she asked me to do. I'm going to do all these great things. And then she comes home like, what are you doing? Well, I, not only did I do what you wanted me to do, I went, well, that's not what I asked you to do. We've all been there. Jake's nodding back there where Chelsea can't see him. That's fine. We, 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 got, a, we got a hand raise of testifying back in the back corner too. I won't rat him out who it was. But we've all been there at some point in time. I mean, we see here this morning, it's, just, it's not just me. And I'm sure that the, the, th the roles are reversed too. There's sometimes that the women want to go above and beyond for the man. He's like, I really just am hungry. 
But unfortunately for Saul, it was a pretty big deal in this instance, the mistake that he had made because he had forgot something that was so important that Samuel reminded him of. He had forgotten that obedience is greater or better than sacrifice. Saul was even, he was following the instructions. The, the message that I preached a while back about tithing, what did we talk about? Bringing our best to God, the first and the best and the best of the best for God. And the scripture says that Saul brought back the best of the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord. He thought he was doing it all right, but obedience is greater than sacrifice. Even a sacrifice of the best of the best is not better than our obedience to the Lord. And before I get too much further, if anybody online is confused or questioning anything, when I talk about obedience, I am, it is not tied to salvation. I'm not talking about that. Anybody that has been to Jonathan Creek regularly knows the gospel. They know it's by grace through faith. It's not by what we do. Our obedience doesn't save us. Our faith in Jesus saves us. So don't get it twisted. Our obedience is not a requirement of salvation, but it is a requirement if we desire an intimate relationship with God. That is the difference. It is crucial. If you want to, if you want to know why, God, why do I feel so far away? I just want to be closer to God. I just can't get a breakthrough in my relationship with God. I just feel so far. I still feel, feel so stuck. I feel so lost. Have you been obedient to the Lord? The Lord has stirred in my mind and uh, in my spirit during the first service, and he reminded me that whenever I, I've never had a bad relationship with my dad, but it's better now than it was. And as I grew and I became a man and I got older and I understood that he wasn't just giving me a set of guidelines and instilling this, these rules in me. He wasn't just giving me regulations to live by. He was giving me tools to become a man of God. And as I grew older and understood that wisdom and realized that obedience to my earthly father was going to produce not only a better life for myself, but a closer relationship with him. He wasn't my best friend when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, but I consider my dad one of my best friends now. My father-in-law, Pastor Tim, I consider him one of my best friends now. He didn't know me whenever I was that young, but he has still instilled some of the similar things in me. And through obedience, to those things, I have seen those relationships grow. And if that is true, the Bible says if, our, if we as earthly men can give good gifts, imagine what our God can give us. It's the same concept with this. If, if following and understanding and falling under the authority and leadership and obedience to my earthly father brings out good godly things in my life, how much more being obedient to my heavenly father? Will that bring about the fruits of the spirit and things in my own life, but a closer relationship with him? We forget so many times. We, we want to fit, we've talked about it a lot, we want to fit God in our box or we want him to, to come inside us and walk with us in our agenda. But it's different. We are not required, and it's not a bad thing to say, and it, for, it used to rub me the wrong way when people would say, we're going to invite Holy Spirit in because I was like, well, this is his house. Shouldn't he already be here? But as Pastor Tim shared a lot of times, whenever people say, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into our plans, and it's easy to see whenever it's public. And if it's someone on the stage, then we're going to invite the Lord to come alongside our vision for this. But we do it every single day in our own lives and we don't even realize it. We say, well, I could be obedient and, and go talk to that person, but man, that would be a lot more difficult. We were in 
uh, New Jersey on, I think it was like the first time they would ever went out there to see Allie's family for a, a little vacation. And we went to Walmart and the Lord was telling me, go talk to that lady in that wheelchair over there. Go talk to that lady in that wheelchair over there. She worked at Walmart. And I fought it. I'm like, Lord, I will be obedient to you if you'll make all these other people leave. We start to negotiate with God and, and have, try to put a contract to our obedience to him. But finally, once I mustered up the courage and the boldness to be obedient to him and I got to minister to that woman, and she opened up to me, about, and I think I've shared this, I don't know if I've shared it here or different other churches or what, but she opened up to me that she had gone to multiple churches and people behind her would scoff because she wouldn't stand during worship. The difference is if she could have went and found a body of believers that were obedient to God and walking with the Lord, she might have stood during worship. We've seen it in this church. We've seen people stand up out of wheelchairs and walk here. But we have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. My relationship with my wife is much better when I follow the directions as I'm given. There's, there's nothing, and don't take it that as that men are supposed to be submissive to their wives. Their wives are supposed to bow down and worship their husband. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that one spouse rules and, and reigns and governs over the other. I'm saying your relationship grows and is much better when you respect and love and follow instructions when asked about something. It's the same way with our heavenly father. But how do we do it? It's one of those things that's like easier said than done. It's one of those things that's like, I get it, but like it's really hard to be obedient. I see it in my three children all the time. It's much easier to not listen to dad. I know my dad loves me. He's gonna love me even after I mess this up, so I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Ouch. Anybody else? Wow, how different would our lives be if we were obedient to God, but how do we do it? You guys have heard Pastor Greg speak many times and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I like practical stuff. Jake, I was telling him, uh, Jake and I are very similar, but Jake's way smarter than me and so he takes it to a whole other level. We, we went bowling last night and I was telling him, about, I, I bowled and I was like, okay, Jake, it was 18.7 miles an hour and, and I, the ball's 12 pounds. How much force did I just throw that ball with? And he, he lit up. He's like, you got, a, you, got, you got a pen and paper? Like, we can, we can figure this out. <laughs> But I like, I like to be able to understand things and put it into practice. And that's exactly what I want to do this morning. Because if you look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, it gives us some instructions on exactly how we can do this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I could preach a message just on that. Our brother Ryan preached a message on that last week. He shared that scripture with us during his testimony. Was anybody else blessed by that testimony? I don't know if anybody else noticed this. You probably did. That man has a calling on his life. You let him know that I said that. Make, him, make sure he watches this at least for the first 12 minutes of it. But that man has an anointing. He stood up here for 15 or 20 minutes. with. He didn't look at a single piece of paper. He didn't look at a single note. He was quoting scripture. He was telling his story. It was powerful. I had people that I know from when I coached Little League Baseball 10 years ago reaching out to me asking who that was and telling me how powerful that testimony was. Somebody here needs to know this morning that your story matters too. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I don't care. I told first service, I have the most boring testimony of all time. 
if I were to share it with most people, they'd be like, that's it? I have heard so many testimonies that, that move the masses with, it's so emotional and so drastic and, and life altering. But I've also been there when I was one-on-one with people and shared my story and seen the Holy Spirit move in their life and open their eyes. You may think you have the most boring testimony ever, but to somebody, it's gonna change their life. Somebody needs to know that this morning, your story matters and there is power in it. Back to Romans chapter eight. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. We don't hear that one too much. That's not one of the popular ones that everybody likes to post on Instagram with the pretty picture in the background. But it's true. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Does anybody need peace this morning? The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. There it is again. We've heard a lot about the dead works of the flesh recently from all of our pastors. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God if you're doing it for you or you're doing it for any other reason than to give God glory because the Holy Spirit led you to do it. It is a dead work of the flesh. And we read here, when you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. The the song we've sang for the last couple weeks, shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion, your way is better. Do we believe that his way is better? Do we submit that his way is better? Do we choose his way over our way because we've done it for 150 years? Do we choose to submit to his way instead of our way because so-and-so started that 49 years ago and, and everybody likes it, so we're just gonna keep doing it that way? Whose ways are better, our flesh or the spirit of the living God? There are things that may have been spirit-led 50 years ago that the Holy Spirit is no longer leading us to do. Doesn't change the message. There's plenty of people standing up here with notes in front of them this morning and churches across the world that are changing the message, unfortunately. But just because the Lord is gonna move and work differently 50 years ago than he is today or than he is back in Bible times doesn't change the message. And it doesn't mean that what we do today is not spirit-led. The message doesn't change, but sometimes the method will. Who are we to question the methods of God? He knows what's gonna be most effective. He knows what we need to hear. He knows what, what we need to see, what we need to understand, who we need to come into contact with. 
if we can trust a God to pull us into eternity and paradise with him, why do we not trust him with our everyday lives? If we can trust him with eternity, we can trust him with today. We can submit ourselves to him and be obedient and allow him to lead us. Verse nine, it says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, does anybody have the spirit of God living in them this morning? Amen. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. Paul might have wrote that thousands of years ago. But I don't know that if it's applied more in any time in history than right now. We need to be walking by the Spirit in obedience to God like never before. And that is where the title of this message was birthed because it's time. It's time that we put off the ways of the flesh once and for all, walk in the Spirit, obedient to God, and move forward. It is time. It is time for Jonathan Creek. It is time for the church around the world. The body of Christ. It's time. It's time that we stop trying to do things my way or Pastor Tim's way or Pastor Greg's way or Jake's way or Allie's way. It's time that we walk in the spirit and submit ourselves to him. He tells us how in his word, we've heard it a thousand times, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. It is time that we start being obedient to Christ. The world will tell you that when, if you act according to the doctrine of Christianity, if you submit yourself and are obedient to Christ, then your life is going to be the most boring life ever. The world looks at a church as, oh, that's just a bunch of people that follow a bunch of rules because they make it think, they think it makes them better than us. I don't want to be a Christian because then I got to follow those rules and I'll get all bound up and stuff like that. And I just, I don't want to follow the rules. I want to do my own thing. The world looks at Christianity as chains that hold us down when really Christianity is the key to unlocking the chains that you're already in. We talk about it all the time. What does Satan do? He perverts he misconstrues, he twists. So he wants the world to think that we just have to follow all these rules. We don't have to follow rules. We are free in Jesus. We don't have to be obedient to God. We choose to because of the gift that he has given us. We choose to be obedient to God because we see the change that happens in our lives when we do it. He's already saved us. The obedience is a byproduct of that. And through that obedience, we can walk in the spirit. 
It is time, church. It's time, not because our salvation depends on it, but because everyone else's does. The salvation of thousands, millions of people depends on the people of God being obedient to him and walking in the spirit. Walking in fellowship with Christ. That woman that I met at Walmart, if if I hadn't been walking in the spirit in that time, and I almost didn't, I thought of a lot of good excuses as to why I shouldn't. I, I don't know where she is now, but I had a moment, an encounter with her, and I got to tell her about the love of Jesus. I got to explain the hypocrisy of the people in the churches that she had been to, apologize on behalf of Christians around the world, and tell her the truth. It's time. There are some of you that have been quenching the Holy Spirit and resisting him to, to, and re- resisting walking with him and walking in him for a, a number of reasons. Not blatantly disobeying and spitting in the face of God and rejecting him. That's not what I'm talking about. But resisting the, the move of the Holy Spirit, not walking with him out of fear or uncertainty or insecurity. There's some that, that have been being led by Holy Spirit to do something or, or start something or, or minister in some way or place. And we hold back because we think, well, what are people going to think? I, I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a degree in theology. I, I can't do this. I would challenge you right now. I can count on one hand and Pastor Greg added one. I think I counted two and he added one after the second service. People in the, the, the authors of the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. Show me one person that was educated. It says that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. David was a man after God's own heart. And Paul was, this is the one that Pastor Greg shared with me. Paul was a very educated person. Other than that, was there a prerequisite to, to writing scripture aside from being obedient to God and walking with the Spirit? It's time. It's time, no matter who you are or where you're at, it's time that you walk in the Spirit and be obedient to God. We get afraid to give control to the Holy Spirit as if he's gonna do something bad to us. We get worried about about letting him lead our lives because we think we can do it better. The God that we just talked about, the God we trust with eternity He's got eternity figured out, but he's, uh, he was only on earth for like 33 years. It's time that we submit to the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit in obedience. It's time to stand up in faith and walk in the Spirit and in obedience for his kingdom and his glory. You know why you get insecure? You know why you get insecure with, about the things that you're supposed to do in ministry? Because we forget that ministry is about him and not us. I don't stand up here for me. No offense, but each person could come up to me and and give me a hug and tell me how great it was this morning. Does that impact my life? Does that impact my eternity? Don't get me wrong. We should encourage one another. I'm I'm not saying to not encourage one another. But the motivation behind it should be I want to be obedient to God. I want to serve him and walk in the calling that he's put on my life. 
we overcomplicate it way too much. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not the easiest thing in the world to submit to God and walk in the Spirit. But the concept is simple. You don't have to be a pastor or an elder or a Bible scholar or a theologian to walk in the Spirit. You don't have to reach a certain status of Christianity to walk in the Spirit. Just like that passage in Romans 8, Roman 8 said, all you need to walk in the Spirit is to have the Spirit of God in you. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you and that is the only qualification you need to be obedient to God and walk in the Spirit. All we have to do is obey him and walk in it. Sometimes we, we make it too complicated. Sometimes it's as simple as I just need to sit down, I need to close my eyes, and I need to just picture whatever your favorite painting or picture of Jesus that you've seen is, is standing next to me and walking with me. It sounds crazy. I might even look crazy standing up here, standing up here with my eyes closed, talking to a room full of people. Just quit overcomplicating it. The Spirit of God is already in you. He is already with you. If you need to close your eyes and visualize it, close your eyes and visualize it. If you need to listen to worship music, listen to worship, whatever it is you need to do. But I promise you, walking in the Spirit is next to impossible if you're not going to spend time in His Word. If you're not going to spend time in, his, in prayer and spend time in His presence. It's time that we stand up as the body of Christ and walk in the spirit and walk in obedience. Whether we get caught up in the air or laid in the ground, we do not have much time left. It's only been a few weeks, but I guarantee you my brother Alex thought he had more time left. And I don't say that to invoke emotion or, or make anybody feel bad or, or stir anything up like that. It's the truth. We are a vapor and a mist here today and gone tomorrow. It's time now to walk in the spirit, to be obedient to God. Do you want to know why these men wrote the books of the Bible? Because they were obedient to God and walked in the spirit. Do you know why we, we saw somebody stand up out of a wheelchair because Pastor Tim was obedient to God, stopped the service, called her up here, and was walking in the Spirit, and through the power of God, she stood up? Do you know why dry bones were brought back to life? Because they were walking in the Spirit, and the prophet listened and was obedient to God. And go example after example. Peter was so obedient to God, walking so tightly in the spirit that as he walked by his shadow, passed over someone and they were healed. Some people will tell you otherwise. That can still happen today. If we would just get rid of the distractions and the noise and the negativity from, unfortunately in some cases, inside and outside the church, but mostly outside the church. If we'd get out of our own head and remember it's not about me anyways, I have no reason to be insecure. Amen. 
If I am walking in the spirit, I don't care if it kills me. I'm being obedient to God. What greater life is there to live than walking in obedience and in the Holy Spirit? To have the favor of God in your life. To see lives transformed through the power of the gospel, through healing, through miracles and signs and wonders. What better life can we live on this earth? We have an opportunity to change our lives and the lives of the ones we love. And it's time we did it. I'm not trying to get people pumped up. I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker. We've got enough of those in pulpits already. This is not a motivational speech. This is a call to action. Are we going to be obedient to God and walk in his spirit and change the world or are we just going to blend in and become part of it? There's only two choices. Paradise or fire. Walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. There wasn't a third option in Romans chapter 8. It didn't say if you walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit if you walk half and half. It's one or the other. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not going to get it all right. But if your heart is to be obedient to God and walk in the spirit, you're going to get it right a lot more than you get it wrong. That's the difference. Is anybody ready? It's time. It's time that I stop being halfway in some days. It's time that I stop shying away from the hard conversations. It's time that I make sure, I get back to making sure that I look differently than the world. We're called a peculiar people for a reason. We're not supposed to blend in and look like everybody else. When we walk in the spirit, we walk in a room, people know that the spirit of God just entered that room. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead abides in me. And it can change the atmosphere. It's time we started changing the atmosphere. Father, I thank you so much for this word, Lord. God, you are so good. You are so good. You give us so much more than we deserve. Father, let our hearts in our prayers, let our sacrifice back to you be a life devoted to you. Lord, in those moments that we start to slip outside and start to walk in the flesh, Lord, remind us through your Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit. Your word is alive and active and make that true in our hearts and in our minds as we go about our weeks. Jesus, we thank you for the price that you paid. None of this is possible without your blood.
Lord, speak to each one of us this week as we go about our ways. Lord, draw us closer to you through our obedience and walking in the Spirit. Lord, draw us closer to you like never before, that we would have a relationship with you like we've never experienced in our lives. And use it to impact those people around us, Lord, for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.